0: We are so excited to be back with you this week in Victor City Live. Um, Just so grateful for God for all the opportunities that He provides for us to share His truth. Now, you know, all throughout this month, we have been working up through a series of sermons looking at the life of Jesus and how the life of Jesus transcends the life that we live. Not just that He has provided for us through His death, burial, and resurrection, salvation, but he's also providing for us a means and an opportunity to live out our lives with the transforming love of Jesus Christ, patterning our lives after him. And so we've looked at Jesus who was bruised. We've looked at Jesus who was betrayed. We looked at Jesus in all the various ways that he had been afflicted and affected because of his devotion to the will of the father. And This week, we're looking, finally, before we get to our Resurrection Sunday sermon, we're looking at Jesus and how he was forsaken. We're looking at Jesus and how he was forsaken. And while that may not be a word or an attribute that a lot of people want to attach to Jesus Christ on the cross, the reality is is that Jesus was forsaken on the cross. He was set aside. He was forsaken by the Father. And we want to look at that today and look at what tremendous impact that has on our lives, knowing that if we ever feel forsaken, that we have an intercessor. We have an advocate with our Father, that being in Jesus Christ. So we're just so excited about the word today. So our text this week is found in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 It's going to be verse 46. It reads that Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, sabbatini, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are often times when we read these texts, specifically this one, when we have this understanding of Jesus Christ, which just isn't accurate. Most people, when they understand or attempt to understand the nature of Jesus Christ, they believe that there are these these levels, right, to the divinity and the humanity of Jesus where he's trading off at different times his humanity for his divinity and then his divinity for his humanity. And some of those occasions people think Such as this one that it is a case where the the human side, the humanity of Jesus, wins out against the deity or the divinity of Jesus Christ and he utters these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's actually an incorrect view on understanding the nature of who Jesus Christ is. Listen, we understand all throughout the Bible that it is emphatic that Jesus is in fact Both truly God and truly man at the same time. There are no dueling forces in him, but he represents that nature intrinsically, simultaneously at the same time. And that what he says, whenever it comes out of his mouth, comes from both the nature of his humanity, but also the nature of his divinity. So that means everything that Jesus says has an incredible weight that he's bearing, but also an incredible context. Now, this is one of the ones that we have not looked at specifically before and really taken a deep dive into it. But I think this week. We want to take a really deep dive in this text and see what this means, not just in how we understand Jesus, but how we also understand how what Jesus did has a tremendous impact on us. So when we understand as the Bible makes clear that Jesus comes to us, not just fully God and fully man, but truly God and truly man, that means that everything that he does happens with the nature of God as well as the nature of his humanity so even when we hear jesus christ on the cross this is not as i just said a case where his flesh is winning out against his divinity so we tend to think of it in terms like that when jesus is displaying his anger when he's flipping over the tables or when he's sweating drops of blood in the garden to give cinnamon we think okay that's when the humanity of jesus winning out But then we think in terms of when he's performing miracles or when he's raising people from the dead or even raising himself from the dead, that that is the divinity of Jesus. But none of those things are separate from one another. Everything that he did, does and is comes from that full understanding that he was both truly God and truly man at the same time. Now, the reason I want to stress this for us is because one of the big misnomers in understanding our faith is that we don't understand Jesus. We don't understand the person of Jesus. We don't understand the nature of Jesus. And that means that we don't understand the work of Jesus. Truly, these are some words that we have probably had to wrestle with. And I've heard many preachers and lay people trying to come up for all different reasons why Jesus is saying that he was actually forsaken here. But Jesus was forsaken. These are not just the near death utterances of a man who is now belligerent because he's losing consciousness. No, Jesus Christ here is feeling the personification of what it means to be forsaken by God, the father. He is feeling for us what we should have felt. See, the Bible makes it clear to us that Jesus, who knew no sin, who had no sinful thought, who had no sinful words, who had no sinful deeds, he became for us sin on the cross. And as the Bible says, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, when he is on that cross and when he utters these words, he's actually quoting from Psalm 22, which is prophesying that Jesus would be the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And so what he is saying here is not Jesus being out of character, nor is it Jesus speaking out of turn, but he is actually epitomizing for us the gospel. When Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? He is saying just what every person who has ever been separated from God has felt. And that is to be totally and utterly forsaken. In this moment, Jesus is the son that has been cast out of the household. He has been excluded, exiled from the family. And at this moment, he feels the weight of that exclusion like he's never felt it before. He has been excluded. He has been treated as a son who has disowned his parents. Now, what we have to wrestle with, though, is not just why any father would forsake their child in this way, but why would God the Father forsake Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in this way? There is no father who's worth his salt that would do this, yet we see God the Father has not only crushed his son, but he's now forsaken his son. Listen, many of us don't understand the totality of what it means to be forsaken. For most of us, that is that a person will not call you back or that a person has lived their life as if you don't exist anymore, but That is not what the definition of forsaken revolves around, by the way. The definition of what it means to be forsaken is to be utterly castigated, set aside, set apart, excluded from the presence of God the Father. That is what it means to be forsaken. Now, we have the covenant in scripture that if we are believers that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. God will never emotionally and spiritually withdraw himself from us. Yet he's done this to his son and we have to wrestle with why. Why has he sought fit to forsake his son in a way that he has not forsaken us? Let me explain why. When Jesus Christ goes on the cross to be the substitutionary atonement for our sins, he does so in our place. This is the gospel 101. He goes and he stands in the position, in the seat that we should have sat in, the death that we should have died, and he endures it. He takes our place and he is the perpetuation for our sins. He is the offering that is made up to God so that we could be looked at as blameless. And that the sin that belonged to us was placed on him. So in other words, God is forsaking his own son because he looks at his son and he now sees sin. So he forsakes him. Because the Bible makes it clear that the wage of sin, the only payment for sin, is death. Something has to die. And he makes it clear that in this case, that it is Jesus who is dying the death that we should have died. Who has been forsaken, who has been separated, who has been castigated, who has been exiled, who has been excluded. So that we don't have to be. But in the same way that he has been forsaken through his death, through him being forsaken, we are being drawn into the presence of God and not temporarily for eternity. So this is what we understand about the gospel. We, since Adam and Eve sinned and fell in the garden, we were born with their inherited and imputed sin and debt. And we also had our own personal sins. Every single one of us from the time we are born, we are born with a devout position that we are on our way to eternal separation from God to be utterly forsaken by God in hell. How do I know that's true? Jesus tells a parable about the rich man and about Lazarus. And it's the rich man who is in hell speaking. And he says, there's this gulf between us and I can't go between. And I would at least want to go back to my brothers. Let Lazarus go back to my brothers and tell them, do not live apart from God. This is forsaken. I have been totally separated from the presence of God. Nobody will want this. Jesus Christ felt the weight and the pain and the burden of being forsaken so that we could be in the presence of God for all of eternity. And so we are born with this sin debt that has to be paid. And we accrue every day that we live our lives, apart from Jesus Christ, interest on that account of our sins. Every single day, we we are accruing sin interest on that account, which has to be paid. And God makes it clear that there is going to be a payment and the result of that payment will be death. And it's either going to be my death or it's going to be the death of Jesus Christ, but it will not be both. And so Jesus Christ on the cross being perfectly sinless. Let me explain why him being sinless is important because you can't pay debt off with debt. All right. If you have a sin debt, you can't pay that sin debt off with somebody else's debt. So Jesus Christ comes to us as the perfect, sinless lamb of God, the perfect, perfect, sinless sacrifice. And he pays off my debt of sin that I couldn't pay because I had too much sin debt. And when he pays that off, he now gives me an opportunity, the only means that I have for salvation through him. So no, I am not saved by works. I could never be saved by works because on my best day, my good deeds, the Bible says, are as filthy, nasty, stinking, dirty rags. My righteousness means nothing. I am only saved by the righteous works and deeds in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus is on the cross and he screams out, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? He is screaming that out, knowing that he had truly been forsaken. This is what we're going to have to wrestle with. Jesus was forsaken people. This was not a case where he got confused. This was not a case where the humanity is winning out. He was forsaken. He was cast out. He was set apart. He was set aside. He was castigated. He was exiled. He was excluded. He was separated from the Father. Now, he did all that so that we would have the only entrance, the only opportunity we would ever have to eternity. The only way we can be drawn into the presence of God is that Jesus was drawn out of the presence of God. The burden of our sins, everything that sin represents the personification of it, was placed on Jesus. Jesus didn't know the sin. It was ours. Yet he died anyway. Now, the reason this has a tremendous impact on us is because there are going to be times, even as believers, where we feel forsaken. We feel separated. We feel as if we don't know where our life is headed. But if your barometer, if your measurement, But what it means to be forsaken doesn't start with Jesus Christ on the cross. You always think you're getting less than you deserve. But to understand the gospel is that we have to rationalize that Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless sacrifice and lamb, felt the pain and the suffering of a death that we should have died on the cross. He stood in our place, and He was the forsaken, only only begotten Son of the Father, so that we would have an opportunity for life, and not just any life, but eternal life, to reside for all of eternity with God. Jesus Christ was forsaken. Jesus Christ was separated. Jesus Christ was exiled. Jesus Christ was excluded. So that I wouldn't have to be. And I hope that this is an answer. For the people who say. Well I don't understand. How a loving God. Can send people to hell. For all of eternity. I don't understand. How a loving God. Who is just who is righteous, whose just response to sin is to punish it, would give me any opportunity to be saved, let alone that that opportunity would come because he exiled his own son. But it also should help us understand that hell is the perfect response to the rejection of the infinite love Jesus Christ if I am willing to live my life apart from the man who was forsaken so that I wouldn't have to be who took an eternity of punishment in a day then yeah it does make sense why the just response to my rejection of that sacrifice is eternal punishment because Jesus was forsaken for me Jesus was cast aside for me. Jesus was separated from the Father for you. And just so you understand this clearly, because he was truly God and truly man, as I mentioned last week, he always defaulted to the will of the Father. That's why, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, in utter weakness, and fear, and strain, and stress about what was about to happen in his life. Jesus Christ utters words that are far more difficult to utter, I would say, than my God, why have you forsaken me? He utters the words, nevertheless, is not my will, but it's your will. It was the submission of Jesus Christ to the will of the Father that has given us the only opportunity we have for salvation, for truth, for hope, for freedom, for eternity. Any rejection of Jesus Christ comes with an enormous penalty. And I don't think we talk about it enough. We have a bleeding Savior who is on the cross, who is being forsaken, who has been exiled, who has been separated from the Father. Because of us. And some of us still have the audacity. To live as if. He isn't the king. That's now on the throne. To live as if. Jesus Christ wasn't on that cross. Just for me. Just. For you. Jesus Christ was set aside. Separated from his father. For you. How is. How is that transforming your life? How is the death of Jesus Christ revealing your own sinfulness? How is it changing your heart of stone into a beating, bleeding heart of flesh and love and devotion for God? If you are a Christian, and the death barrier and resurrection of Jesus Christ has not utterly changed the direction of your life. Now I don't know what you are, but it's not a Christian. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins in our place so that we will be saved. And some of us, unfortunately, are going to muck around in our lives. And one day we're going to have the answer to the divine judge. And that giving of an account, sure, it's giving of an account of the lives that we live. But the most difficult account that we're going to have to give is, why did you reject what I did? Why did you reject my death? my being forsaken, my being crushed. And the Bible makes it clear. It says Jesus still has the nail prints in his hands, and his feet, and a wound is still on his side. And I want a lot of us to think about that. As we live the lives that we live now, one day we're going to have the answer to him. And we're going to see very clearly the wounds in his flesh the wounds that he suffered on our behalf you know there's a tremendous hymn that talks about how great the mercy of God is and it says that our sins were thrown in a sea without bottom or shore our sins they are many his mercy is more can you imagine that our sins have been thrown as numerous as they are into a sea of forgiveness and it says that he counts no longer the wrongs that we have done the weakest the vilest even the poor our sins they are many but his mercy It's more. Jesus Christ was forsaken on the cross so that we will be saved and that we could fully eat of the grace and the mercy that he's provided for us. And yeah, this is a good time to think about this, but the Bible says that we should always bear in our hearts the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so my prayer is that sermons like this, and I know it is Very ubiquitous for you to hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ during Easter. But it is vital that we understand it. It is vital that we allow that death to take hold of our lives. That we relinquish control of our lives. That we let Jesus Christ invade our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity To worship with you again. Lord. You have provided for us. The only opportunity. For salvation. The only hope. God that we have in this world. Comes through you. Because you. Have saved us. God you have done for us. What we cannot do for ourselves. You have provided for us. We cannot provide for ourselves. Lord there are many false gods and and saviors out there that promised that they could lead us to the way none of them promised that they were the way but Jesus did and he said that he was the way he is the truth he is the life so God we just pray that for those of us that don't have access to that that don't know that that you will sovereignly Save us and reveal yourself to us, God, that you would draw us into your presence, that we will see Jesus Christ bleeding on the cross, and that we will see how sinful we are and that our only hope to be saved is in you. That is our prayer it is in Jesus name we pray. Amen. So I pray that this has been a particularly revealing sermon for you today. I pray that you understand that Jesus Christ was forsaken, set aside, cast out for us so that we would be drawn to the presence of God. So I pray this has been a blessing to you. If you're watching this today and you say, I have no knowledge of the gospel. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. That makes no sense to me. Then I want this to be the day that you, for the first time perhaps in your life, have an understanding of the gospel. Because God has revealed himself to you. If you're watching, say, I would love to know more about that. Please email us or reach out to us on social media. Our email us info at ourvictorycity.org. We would love to talk more about that with you. Also, if you're just watching and say, I would love to just talk more in depth about this, we would love for you to reach out to us um, that way as well. Um, also, we're going to have coming next week, don't forget, this amazing opportunity Following every Sunday on Mondays, we're going to be doing a Monday of Bible study where we'll follow up about the sermon. Um, I get a lot of questions after my sermons on Sunday, so this will be the forum for people to ask questions. We'll dig into the Word of God, so we're just excited about that. Also going to have our Bible study for our middle school and high school teens as well. So at this time, it is time for the transition to our time of giving. You know all the ways to give. You can give through our text to give which is up there, 205-415-2662. You can give through our cash app, which is Victory City. Or you can give online by going to ourvictorycity.org, clicking that donate button right there, and giving that way. So we thank you for joining in. Please do not forget to join with us live next week. We have a tremendous sermon prepared for you, risen. Very simple, but I hope it has a tremendous impact as we celebrate our Easter Sunday. Go in peace.